Welcome back to Gritty Hope, a podcast where Gen Z meets a kind of okay boomer. My name's Katie Beth Louie, and I'm your Gen Z host for today. And I am Steve Backus. I'm your kind of okay boomer. Mm-hmm, I think you're kind of okay. Well, thank you, Katie Beth. I think you're doing okay, too. Oh, thanks. Uh, we're we are back with James Fields this morning. He was on a special episode uh, a few weeks ago, and he's back this morning. James, good morning. Good morning. Uh just to remind everybody who you are and where you serve, James, just as a reminder. Good morning to those of you who will be uh, listening to this podcast. My name is James C. Fields, Jr. My home is in a little community known as The Colony, located in southwest corner of Cullman, Alabama. And I serve uh, in the North Alabama Conference at St. James United Methodist Church, located at 2604 Haygood Street in beautiful Irondale, Alabama. Thank you, James. So I appreciate nice. that. It's very, very good. Yeah. Uh, we invited James in today because uh, this episode was uh, something that Katie Beth wanted to do, and I agreed with her. It was something we probably should talk about, uh, and that is talk about uh, white privilege um, and uh, institutional racism. Some people call it systemic racism. Yeah, that's another word for it. Uh, um, so uh, we thank you for being here, James, to give us your input. I want to start by saying that uh, some white people have a real hard time understanding these concepts. I've got a I've got a friend who I was well I was friends with him in high school. Okay, he's having a particularly hard time with this because um, even though we went to school together and we were friends at school, he grew up in the housing projects. Uh, he he he's a white guy. He grew up in the housing projects. I grew up in the cornfields. And mm-hmm. out in the county, his life was very different from mine at home. Um, and so he gets very defensive when people start talking about racism because just because of some of the experiences he had growing up. Uh, there were a lot of things that my parents would not allow me to do with him because they knew he was going to get in trouble. Uh, one of his brothers uh, spent some time in prison, one of his brothers overdosed on heroin at a young age um and so you know he has a real hard time talking about um institutional or systemic racism just because of his life experiences so i just wanted to say that to preface this conversation by telling everybody this discussion does not discount the hardships you had in your life no matter what color you are or what your ethnicity is uh you know life throws a lot at us um, but this is a conversation to point out something that I think has been too often ignored mm-hmm. uh, in our culture. So we're not saying that people of all colors don't have hardship in their lives. We're not saying that at all. Um, I, we're just saying this is something we need to talk about and we need to understand better. Would you agree with that? So. I agree. So what prompted this whole discussion was back in June, I believe, I was scrolling through Twitter and uh, I saw that the United Methodist Church had put out a post, an article, uh, talking about systemic racism and how that applies to the church and how that applies to being a Christian. Um, My first thought was, wow, that's really brave of the denomination to put out something like that. And then I just had another thought. I was like, why am I celebrating our church whose like, core thing is like united? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's so brave that they're doing that. They're putting out something that's like, yeah, we need to stand united against this really bad thing that's going on in our society. And I was just like, 
okay, I need to talk about this. And pretty much it's been weighing on my heart ever since I read the article. Just as like another preface, Steve and I just didn't really feel comfortable like with just us because again, Steve and I are very white. We are whiter than the 99 cent loaf of Wonder Bread at the supermarket. You know the one I'm talking about. Everybody, everybody knows. That squishy one you, you do with the bologna yeah. sandwiches. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we felt like, you know, we're talking about white privilege and we're talking about systemic racism, specifically in the church. And I, I just wanted to, like, have other experiences involved in the conversation. Yeah. So, James, can you can you speak in any of this from your own experience? Um, where, where do you begin? Uh and I'm going to jump around a little bit, and hopefully yeah. the audience will understand. Uh, so it depends on where you were reared mm-hmm. uh, and what period of time it was. Was it in the 60s, 50s, 40s, 30s, 20s, mm-hmm. 70s versus 80s? And I saw a turnaround in, in the 70s uh, at my high school uh, that I uh, – was able to attend after integration. We made a pact, the class of 73, uh, which was majority male, black and white. Uh, We only had uh, 11 uh, uh, African-American guys, black guys, in uh, our senior class. But we had uh, camaraderie among our counterparts, our other classmates who were all white. No fighting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There was no fights, right? Uh, with the exception of one, and uh, the English teacher uh, made them hug, oh. mm-hmm. embrace each other. Uh, mm-hmm. One guy was the quarterback on the football team, went on to play at Auburn, mm-hmm. and the other guy was a defensive end and a guard on offense. He played the position of guard and. He went on to be very successful. He attended Alabama, and, of course, uh, the quarterback attended Auburn, and there ensued the continued rivalry <laughs> between those two. Yeah. But they both were very successful guys. But that was the only skirmish, and it was really over nothing. And I remember they swung at one another and missed, and they locked up, and then we watched them for about five minutes, it seemed, mm-hmm. like two big uh, uh, Tyrannosauruses just locked up. <laughs> so the way I, when my upcoming years uh, on a little small farm we weren't big farmers we just farmed enough uh, to get the cotton subsidy mm-hmm. from the federal government and uh, to pay off the debt uh, of fertilizer and all that stuff we plowed I plowed a mule uh, and I'm only 65 I was born in 54 um uh, and we were very poor, but you didn't know it. I mean, uh, we kept the house so clean, we would swept the yard with sage straw. You'd go out in mm-hmm. the sage straw field and bundle it up, and you kept the yard swept. You didn't want any grass in the yard. You didn't want any grass because we didn't have lawnmowers. Uh, and the goats, I mean, you know, we had a couple of goats, but we ate those after they got a certain size. <laughs> Uh, and we, you know, slopped the hogs and all that. So my upcoming years would be a lot of, would be different from your friend who was reared up in government housing mm-hmm. or any African-American that was reared up in, in government housing or in the city. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't face a lot of things that uh, a lot of uh, uh, 
African Americans faced uh, in their upcoming years. Uh, I remember, you know, going to the doctor. There was only one doctor we could go to, uh, and there was a colored waiting room. Uh, but it was normal. Uh, that was that was normal. Of course, we knew all the white people who were sitting in the front room, but they couldn't ask us to sit beside them because it was normal. That was the right. way it was. After I graduated from high school in 1973, I attended college uh, at Gadsden State Community College, and I remember uh, with five of my classmates who were all mm-hmm. white. They were all white, and there I was, the only African-American. And we thought Gaston was a lot more progressive than us, but come to find out, they were way behind us. Mm-hmm. There were certain areas in that city you, you could not go to. And I'm going to get to my point here in a second very quickly. But that was the first time that I ever saw an actual sign saying colored only right, on the restroom door Wow! at a service station. Mm-hmm. And so I, I called my friends and said, you guys need to see this. Mm-hmm. And it said colored only. And probably we probably should have stolen that thing, you know. Right. We probably should have mm-hmm. took it with us. Mm-hmm. But when I look at the recent incidents that have, have occurred uh, and against uh, African-Americans, the George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and, and others. I remember uh, a young lady I was dating, uh, there was a couple of my friends that I had made at Gaston State. We uh, went to the store uh, and I drove our car and, and took the guys to the store, and they were from the Alabama School of Blind. So I always took them everywhere they needed to go at especially not. But the police stopped us. Mm-hmm. I didn't think nothing of it. I mean, that's the way it's always been. Uh, uh, they had us, uh, they made us get out of the car and threw us on the ground and, and, and their knee on my back. Hmm. And about 10 minutes later, after questioning us, uh, and we were right at the school, getting ready to turn on campus right. to wow. the dorm, mm-hmm. uh, they let us go. And so I, and I'm taking law enforcement mm-hmm. in school, so I'm in class with a lot of law enforcement local guys who were veterans taking advantage of the veteran program to pay for the school. Right. They, mm-hmm. were in, they were part of the police department. And I mentioned it to them. And they asked me, who were they? And I told them their name. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A week or so later, those two officers walked in the classroom mm-hmm. and began to apologize. Whoa. Really? Sure mm-hmm. did. Um, and one of the fellows who were in my class, mm-hmm. who later became police chief of the Gaston Police Department, mm-hmm. terminated them guys. Mm-hmm. And so um, my point is mm-hmm. there, there are people who will never, ever, ever come to grips with, if you say, white privilege. Mm-hmm. Or understanding people of other other ethnic groups, mm-hmm. uh, they exist, but there are also those who do, and who outweigh all of that. Mm-hmm. If you if you want things to change, you got to look, I think, deep inside yourself, and 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 make that change begin within you. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I was on a. Uh, a Zoom meeting Sunday morning, 
and I heard a, an elderly lady, black female, African American, make a statement. I just I recently uh, took a road trip to uh, Pittsburgh. And I have a niece who is a leader in Black Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. And I was talking about voting. Right. And, well, we, we're probably not going to vote. And I said, what is the problem here? <laughs> where, where am I missing here? Now, her stepfather is a detective with the police department. And there's very little conversation among them. Yes because of her stance with Black Lives Matter, okay? And his stance as a police officer. Mm-hmm. Oh, is it the lady's niece who was the leader on Black Lives Matter? Or is it, was it your niece or was it the lady's niece? It's my, my niece okay. by marriage. Okay. Mm-hmm. And his okay. stepdaughter by marriage. Okay. Okay. The, the detective. Um, Sunday morning, I heard an elderly lady, back to the beginning of that conversation, make the same statement that she went to vote and she was talking with a young lady here in the Birmingham area about mm-hmm. voting and she was part of Black Lives Matter. And she said, well, we're probably not going to vote. And I'm like, you want things to change, but you don't want to be the change. Mm-hmm. And, and I didn't respond to her saying, like, I ran into the same same situation. So it's folks are not not getting it. To me, mm-hmm. uh, it's just me. When when I served as a state legislator in Cobham, uh, District 12, first African-American to run for office, people thought it would never happen. Uh, they gave it zero possibility. And I went by 64% mm-hmm. of the vote mm-hmm. in a 99.9% white area. Mm-hmm. 90% Republican. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I win as a Democrat. Right. Why? 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 And, and that's not patting myself back. What I'm saying is, if you, to me, or there's so many other avenues off of that conversation. Yeah. To me, if I viewed a person and I graded them or I measured them by the color of their skin, I would never get anywhere. Character has a lot to do with who we are. Character has a lot to do with where we're going. Mm -hmm. And character has a lot to do with where we're standing. And if we stand on on the truth and if we look at things from the perspective of a Wesleyan saying, do all the good you can, everywhere you can to whomever you can all mm-hmm. that good stuff mm-hmm. I think we, we're going to be much better it, the part that hurts me now is that uh, I think a lot of my white friends are afraid I think you're right yeah yeah I think there uh, I think something has triggered something that they tried to bury themselves, as mm-hmm. I did. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they feel like they're defending something mm-hmm. that's being taken away. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's hard for me as a, an African-American to say, what's been taken away? 
we never had. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I never had the privilege of walking into a bank like I do now and carry on with the tellers. Right. I make a mm-hmm. drive up to the window. I couldn't walk in. Mm-hmm. I never had the privilege of, uh, or, or you never had to struggle like I did having to go to the back door and watch you go in the front door of a restaurant, sit down and eat and be served. You know, mm-hmm. we always knocked on the back door and they come to the door, what, what do you want? And handed out the back door. I remember the first time by one of my closest friends, Mike Johnson, he wouldn't mind me telling the story. Uh, we were riding around one day and he just all of a sudden just went ballistics in the car. And I'm like, what's wrong with you, man? You're going to wreck. He said, I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm really tired. And we pulled up to that restaurant and he walked in the front door. Mm-hmm. He yeah. said, I'm going in and I'm sitting down. I said, okay, I'll be out here waiting. In case they throw you out, I'll pick you up. He went in and he sat down. And he got up and walked back out, got in the car and went up. He was okay. He was okay. Mm-hmm. But that same family that owned that restaurant, they also owned the surf station motel, okay? Mm-hmm. That same family. Yeah. As years would pass by, we were in school with their nephews because they never had any children. It was just a husband and wife. Mm-hmm. Right. We became close friends with their favorite nephew, who was <laughs> mm-hmm. in our class. Mm-hmm. And uh, when they decided to retire, to sell it, they wanted to sell it to someone in our community mm-hmm. at a very cheap price, very reasonable price. Mm-hmm. But no one wanted it. And then they sold it to another gentleman. But that's how things changed uh, but it's just hard to get some of my friends, some of my friends to see or look at what's going on from my side or from a mm-hmm. black person's side. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You have some African Americans who, who are fighting very hard to to, to do the right thing, to to get respect, to, to mm-hmm. understand. But then you have some that, you know, that's everywhere. Mm-hmm. I'm relevant. Yeah, well, no, no, no thank you. Beautiful. Thank you. It was. Um, I can remember, and I'm a few years younger than you are, being in college. Rub it in. Uh, not much. <laughs> not much. Just a little bit. But I was in college with, with a young man who was the associate pastor I don't know if it's still this way, James, but in Town Creek, Alabama, at one mm-hmm. time there was a there were two First Baptist churches. That's right. One was African American, one was white church. Right. Oh. And this guy was the one of the associate pastors at uh, at uh, at the the Black First Baptist Church uh-huh. of Town Creek, Alabama. Okay. Very very articulate, great guy. And he and I, because we were in class together, we just became friends. We used to go to lunch a lot because we had a lot of the same class schedule. And he wanted to, he named this uh, he named a, a little diner that he wanted to go to that was known as a redneck diner. Yeah. Okay. I said, "You sure you want to go there?" <laughs> he said, "Yeah, I want to go." So uh, so we walked in there together, and we sat down, and people looked at us like we had two heads. <laughs> you know, I mean, it was weird. But we ordered, and we had a conversation. 
and we greeted people <laughs> who very hesitantly <laughs> yeah. would would not and acknowledge at least acknowledge our presence. But uh, you know, I, and I'm and I and I left there and I said, I don't have any concept of the courage that that probably took for you to do that. Yeah. You know, I don't have any concept of how of how that is for you. Yeah, it was uncomfortable for me. I didn't know how those people in there were going to react. I, I, you know, I mean, you know, like you said, your friend going in, you didn't know what was going to happen, yeah. and I didn't know how those people were going to react. You know. And so I'm thinking, and, and you know, and at the time I was thinking, in this day and age, after everything this country has been through, uh, everything we have seen, everything that's been televised, everything that we have knowledge of, we still have to worry about whether we can go into a restaurant and eat or not simply because of the color of someone's skin. Yeah. You know. Uh, yeah, that's that's those are the things that, uh, and, and please let me preface this. I, I'm not one. I'm no authority in, in black history. I'm no authority in, or I'm not good at articulating uh, or putting the right word with the right phrase to get a clear understanding. But but the one thing that I do know is that uh, what I experienced as a child some of the things that I saw with my own eyes. And those are the things that we try to bury and and because it just, it, it hurts deep inside. Uh, some of the things that I've seen uh, our parents experience, our aunts and uncles, uh, grandparents, mm -hmm. uh, some of the things that they had to endure of course, we were always taught to say yes, sir, no, sir, yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am. But I never understood why an 80-year-old uh, black woman would be saying yes, sir, and no, sir, or yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am, to a little four-year-old white kid. I never understood that. Mm -hmm. And until I got older, and uh, and that's what they were teaching us always use those mm -hmm. phrases not so much well it probably your survival depended on that it did yeah. it yeah. did um, mm -hmm. you know when you when you had the opportunity to go to town with your mom on a Saturday uh, you'd go in the store I think I shared this before you couldn't try anything on Mm -hmm. It's like now with the COVID, you can, you, can, you can buy stuff, you can't try it on in the store, but you take it home and try it on, but don't fit, and you bring it back. And I'm like, well, this is not making any sense. I remember <laughs> those days mm -hmm. um, where you had to measure your feet by a string because you didn't have a ruler, or mm -hmm. you just uh, tied a string around your waist to get your waist size and length, and hopefully everything worked out. But... I wish uh, that we were all fighting for the same thing, for the same reason. And I think deep down inside we are. But I, I get mixed uh, feelings, mixed mixed feelings about uh, what's, what I see now. Mm -hmm. uh, 
even in the church. Um, there are just some things that are not acceptable uh, in God's uh, law or God's commandments. And, and, and I'm trying to just hope God keep your promise to me now that you made to Jeremiah in the 31st chapter uh, that new covenant because she knew I couldn't keep the law and and I'm just hopeful that uh, that one day uh, when that day comes uh, that, that I won't be found wanting or I didn't leave anything undone or I didn't say this kind word, or I didn't speak up when when I should have spoken up on issues. Mm -hmm. uh, it's such a sad commentary that we're in right now, because I think we're getting politics mixed up with religious ticks, <laughs> yeah, faithful ticks, yeah, and and it's hard to speak to God. Clearly, because we got too many outside things in our mind instead of mm -hmm. just saying, God, just fix me. I believe Paul said that, oh, wretched man that I am. <laughs> and Isaiah definitely said it when he responded to God's call mm -hmm. and recognized that here I am a man of unclean lips and I'm among people. People of unclean lips. Of unclean yeah. lips Woe is me. Yeah. Woe is me. So. Mm -hmm. <laughs> White privilege, if to me, just my, if you could get your white brother or sister to just see that there 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 was a big difference, mm -hmm. and, and it was because of of the color of your skin, and and you were privy to things like borrowing money. Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't understand for a long time growing out up in a rural area. You and I have that experience in common. We grew up in a rural area. Mm -hmm. um, it, we had a we had a neighboring farm family that was a that were black Americans, and uh, you know, at the time, I didn't pay any attention to this. I have to look back on it and reflect. They didn't have as much land, right, as everybody else. They didn't have as nice a house didn't have as nice a tractor and equipment. And all of that was because they couldn't borrow the money <laughs> mm -hmm. that the white people could borrow to get their farm started. They just were not allowed that privilege, you know, simply because of the color of their skin. And I didn't think about those things until years later when I reflected back on it, you know. I guess... Mm. I mean, obviously, I'm a little bit younger than y'all. <laughs> just a little bit. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Um, I'm a bit of a city slicker compared to y'all. Mm -hmm. You know, grew up in the suburbs. And really, I never thought about it. Mm -hmm. You know, my parents were like, you know, all are equal and under God. And I'm like, okay, okay. And I would go to church and, like, we would all pray for the children of the world and the, children, the starving children in Africa, you know, that whole spiel that we all got in like the late 90s to 2000s. Um, 
but like it, on Sunday, it all be like we're praying for the children of the world. We're praying for the children in our neighborhood, and then we go to Monday, and it would just be like mm-hmm. the parents would be like, "Okay, you can't sit with those kids because they're not the right sort." And I didn't really question it because that's in our area. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about our specific area of Gardendale, Alabama. That's just how it was, and. I didn't really think about it and I didn't think that I had a I didn't think that you know I had privilege because of the color of my skin until later on in high school and this is something I do remember Steve that's mm-hmm. an inside joke for us um, we I remember I was in French class and we had a discussion because there was a couple who recently like became public with their relationship and the thing it took, they were dating for a solid six to seven months before they even went public because she was white, he was black. And we were in French class and we had this discussion on why it was so important for them to, you know, come out as a couple. And she said that at the time when they started dating, it wasn't safe for her to tell her parents that she was dating a black boy. Because at the time, if she had told them when they started dating, she would have gotten kicked out of her house. Um, we all kind of had this discussion, and our French teacher, Katie McDowell, or she's Katie Gordon now, shout out to you, best one of the best teachers I've ever had. She facilitated it, and we all had this discussion, especially from like the girl's point of view. Like if we ever, like in Gardendale, it just wasn't done. Like being in an interracial couple wasn't done. Um... In my friend group at the time, I had a friend tell me, I didn't, she literally told me, and I quote, you need to stick to your own kind. I would, at first I was like, that's weird. Mm-hmm. You're not, I don't think you would say stuff like that. You mean. <laughs> that's out yeah. of character for you. Why would you say something like stick that? Stick to our own kind. We're all human. Right. It's like, <laughs> hey, what's that about? And I didn't think about it. And then like from oh. the girl's point of view, it just wasn't safe. For the girls, because they could have been kicked out, beaten, or worse. But when they did come out, that was because it was safe for them, for both of them. And she just looked at me and said, you don't experience racism because you're white. And I said, what? And it took me a minute to think about it because I was like, what? And then I like talked to my mom and you know, she was like, what? And then I thought about it and I was like holy crap you're right (laughs) Mm -hmm. and then I just got so sad James I got so sad for my friends yeah (laughs) because knowing I'm gonna cry probably you know I thought about it again Uh, I joined a co-ed band fraternity in Kappa Kappa Psi and my little became was a black woman and I am so proud of her and what she and what she does every day. And I just thought, I was like, because I have so much love for my family and my fraternity. And I just couldn't imagine anyone hating my family and hating my friends because of the color of their skin. I'm crying now, if you can't tell. Mm-hmm. And We're still talking about these issues. James and I are baby boomers. So <laughs> James grew up in a time... 
long before you know Katie's twenty three. So yeah, <laughs> we still got we still long before. Yeah, we we still <laughs> we still got some of these issues going on, you know, even today. Yeah, I mean, which is why I think it's important to have discussions, you know, and talk to one another about these things. But what's the result of the George Floyd uh, case? And there was a lot of Black Life movement going on, and there was. Uh, five young ladies in Coleman mm-hmm. who had a Black Lives uh, rally for about three weeks. And then there I was sitting around. I'm like, James, how can you not support these ladies? I didn't know them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and several of them were United Methodists, and, and the one who was leading was in the Baptist church. And I'm like, <laughs> whoa. And the Baptist church that she attends was way out in the country. And I'm like, whoa. And her uh, marital status, her husband is African American. Well, again, mm-hmm. uh, and you live what part of the county, and you go right. to what church, and you're in this and, county. And I'm like, okay, you're not afraid. But her husband was a sought-after engineer for this company in common, and they finally convinced him to come. But then my question was, well, why didn't you buy a property or, or rent a home or buy a home in Colony or other than where you are? But my point is, uh, she has, he had two sons by his previous marriage mm-hmm. that he had custody of. And then they had a child together. Now here's a white female, black male, mm-hmm. two black sons. And then one mixed child. Okay? Right. I'm like, how can I not support her? Not being concerned about, you know, the, the blowback of friends and, right. and, 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 and uh, folk around coming. And when I did, I was really amazed at my friends who came out in support, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. even churches. I had a pastor and his wife call me. They broke down in tears. We met for lunch, and they paid for my lunch, which is a very expensive lunch and very good food. <laughs> and I don't mind spending this money because he's a great guy. <laughs> and we met with another pastor and one of the leading, both of these guys are in leading churches in Coleman mm-hmm. who are very, very concerned. Um, and so so there's still that... that um, uh, group or folks or people who are still they they they're denying their white privilege. They're defending, like I said earlier, something that they think is being taken away. That they've been told, if you don't do this, you don't do that. They're gonna they're just gonna come in and take this, and you, they're gonna be all in in your neighborhoods and and et cetera and et cetera. It's fear. It is it is strictly fear. But thank God that there are more folk in common who are saying, we're going to do better. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We are going to do better. Mm -hmm. And we're going to stand up for what is right. Mm -hmm. And we're not going to allow these things to continue. If it had not been for my high school English teacher, folks, I wouldn't probably be here today. She saw enough in this poor little black kid compared to other African-American children, black children that I was in the same class with. 
like I say, one of my friends, they, well, three of them went on to University of Alabama. I couldn't afford to go to the University of Alabama. Mm-hmm. I couldn't afford to go to school that I was attending. Mm-hmm. But she paid my way through school. Mm-hmm. And, and, and why did I say that? I had convinced my five, my, my five white friends uh, to go to school at Gaston State. I had convinced him because I fell in love with the dean of students when he came to our school and spoke and were recruiting students. Right. Later on, his influence in my life, I was in officer, Marine Corps officer candidate school mm-hmm. at Quantico, Virginia because of him. Mm-hmm. Okay. But because of my high school English teacher mm-hmm. and her family, she had sons. She had four sons to support. Yeah. Uh, three younger and one older than I. But she came through. She brought me the money. Says here, you need to go to school. Mm. Wow! And because of that, later on, the dean of students, the guy who mm-hmm. I fell in love with, because of just something about him attracted me. I'm getting ready to start the second semester, and I go to him, and, and I'm freshman class president. I don't know anybody in gas, and I'm the freshman class president. I'm like, what am I doing? <laughs> yeah, I just gotten uh, back then you drink a lot of beer <laughs> so, they, so I went to him he says don't worry I got you taken care of you're in school for the rest of your life so that was God working all the time mm-hmm. through those people because my parents couldn't afford it they couldn't yeah. afford it I was working at a local poetry plant making a little bit better than minimum wage 245 an hour mm-hmm. trying to feed m- myself my two younger brothers and sister mm-hmm. trying to feed us and trying to make a $45 a month house payment. Mm-hmm. That's what they were trying to do. Yeah. yeah. My mother would get up at, at four in the morning to catch a ride. She had to walk a mile to get a ride to go to work. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. And, and my father then would go in in the evening time and work all night long from six to six in the morning washing down the plant so that they'd be able to, to process chickens the next day. And so, so though there is white privilege, but there are folks who are saying, hey, we're going to make this thing better. We're going to yeah. make it work. Things so, have got to change. And yeah. things have got to change. And yeah. so, so uh, I've experienced those things that mm-hmm. you, you talked about. Uh, black and white couples. I, I remember speaking to one of the local high schools in Coleman uh, a year ago at their honors day. And I went to the principal and I said to him, I says, and I got to give you kudos. He says, what do you mean? I said, I'm looking at your student body and I'm looking at folks in your community. I don't know how you're doing it. Mm-hmm. Because there was about a fourth of that class was either mixed children Mm-hmm. or black or Hispanic mm-hmm. and in that community and I'm like whoa <laughs> whoa is me whoa yeah. and th- we, we got to do something from the church I agree with you it feels- we, we got, we got mm-hmm. to stand up um, a lot you know the I love all the official stands of the United Methodist Church. We've got a lot of great, this mm-hmm. is our official stand on mm-hmm. this subject. When you look at the reality of the situation, I, don't, I forget the percentages, but in America, something like only 5% or less 
of American United Methodist churches are African American. <laughs> you know, so in practice, we're not where we need to be. And, and of course, when it comes, when you're a minister in the United Methodist Church and you're African American, it still limits you to the appointments you're going to be offered. Now, that's, that's changing, I think, James, but for a long time that limited where you could serve because people were, cabinets and bishops were very hesitant mm-hmm. to put an African-American pastor in a white congregation. Mm-hmm. You know? I remember in our conference, Steve, mm-hmm. one of our churches, because I had worked with these guys for years with United Methodist men, and, and I was a lay leader in the Decatur district, the old Decatur district of our church. And, and did United Methodist Men's Congress at Purdue University and stuff. There is a failure in communication. There was one church, one of our nicer churches, white church. They wanted a pastor of color mm-hmm. because yeah. they were trying to be, um, uh, what is that, uh, correct? Po- like politically correct or something? Politically correct, yeah. Yeah. And they wanted a pastor of color. Mm-hmm. Well, the bishop sends them an African. Not an African-American. An African. An African, yes. Love it. Mm-hmm. You love to see it. Mm-hmm. And it disappointed the people so badly. Mm-hmm. One of the lay leaders of that church, and at one time he was a lay leader, he said, James, I thought they would have sent us you mm-hmm. or one of the other guys mm-hmm. that they knew through the church. Why, James, why do you think they were hesitant to do that? Why, why were they so hesitant to send a black American rather than an African? I have, you know? I, 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 I never understood that. I, I don't understand that either. And it literally killed the church. But now later on they sent a, a black American. Uh-huh. But it was too late. Yeah. The damage had been done. The damage had been done Mm -hmm. because the community was changing. And I never understood that move. Yeah. Why that particular bishop and that cabinet sent them an African. Mm -hmm. A person they could not understand. A person who could not even identify with that community. With the culture. With the culture. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um. So, so there is a lack of, I think, to a certain degree, and then there is that I can do it because I am in this position. I can do what I want to do, mm-hmm. right. and this is who you're going to have, and this is who you go. This is coming. Well, I think a lot of times that that hurts us to the degree to where we need to really look around and then take inventory of ourselves. Mm-hmm. We need to do that desperately. But we just need to take inventory of ourselves in our own lives. Mm-hmm. And because um, uh, I even now spend a lot of time talking with a, a lot of my white friends in Covenant. I tell them, guys, come on. You know you had this better than I. You know you had this. You mm-hmm. know you had privilege to this. So let's get past that. Yeah. Let's, let's go from right here. Yeah. Let's just confess yeah. what's happening, the yeah. reality of the situation, yeah. Yeah. and let's make some positive changes going forward. Yeah, you like yeah. James Fields because you've been knowing me all my life. Yeah. But mm-hmm. what about Robert who stops in here? Yeah. 
And then one of the businesses, one of my friends own, I, every now and then a, a black person will come in and from there, he'll go, he'll, the guy that owns it, but he'll drop it because he knows what I'm about to do <laughs> or say. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I keep telling him, you and I love each other more than anything in the world. Mm-hmm. But your mindset is uh, uh, black folk are taking over. Uh, uh, they're taking our country. They're they're socialist, and and and, and they're just gonna they are gonna ruin us. That's what a lot of well, see, and <laughs> and, and, listen, th- and this is and, I, and I'm talking to my white friends on Facebook right now who are out there so angry, anger, yeah. anger, and, and fear go together. Mm-hmm. We did white people on Facebook. Uh, w- gotta stop. Yeah, you, you gotta quit. You gotta quit spouting fear and propaganda on Facebook white people mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> you gotta quit you, you, we, we need to understand each other we need to talk to each other we need to confess our sins so that we can be forgiven and uh, we need to move forward in a positive direction and make some very uncomfortable changes for a lot of people change is yeah. never comfortable change is never comfortable no Mm-mm. yeah I was comfortable as putting on a new pair of Spanx. <laughs> Y'all have never had to deal with that. Mm-mm. Put on a new Spanx. Mm-mm. <laughs> uh, what is that saying? Without change, nothing changes? That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then on, on the movie The Matrix, Morpheus said, some th- what was that line in there? Some things change and some things don't. And some things don't, yeah. And, and you know, you know, there's there's three things that I've learned in this world you can't change or won't change. What is it? Lepers won't change their spots. Zebras won't change their stripes. And a snake will show enough bite you. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of truth in that. And so. We can I, back that up with scripture too. Yeah. <laughs> and so, so I, I, I think I, mm. I, I, I go back and forth again with, with mm-hmm. a lot of my classmates. I thank God that he, when we integrated, that we were all able to go to Hansville High School, attend there because of the safety of the travel, number one. And um, and we made so many dear friends. We got so we got we got such good friends. And 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 a lot of us on different ends of the political mm-hmm. arena and everything. Right. But the one thing we have in common, we love each other. There you go. We we truly. Love mm-hmm. each other. That, that class of '73, and I'm other classes where it was was just as, as great '73. But our motto was there'll never be another '73. <laughs> a class like '73, and and we go back and forth. Mm-hmm. They pound me all the time, and I pound them back. Yeah, um, but, but yeah, and 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 that's that's the way healthy relationships work. Right. We don't we don't have to agree on everything. That's right. But we have to love one another. We got to. And that, we that's did. the greatest commandment: love God and love one another. Because you know? there was, there was, I remember one of the classmates made this statement just recently. She said, "James, Facebook reminded me of this, and it popped back up on my screen, and it still angers me till today." There was a lady was white mm-hmm. who was on an opposing uh, event than I I was on one side and she was on the other and she made a statement at the end of that event and my classmate who's the nurse working in Florida, her husband's a doctor she responded to that 
statement that lady made because mm-hmm. I didn't see it. Mm-hmm. There are no words. I didn't see until she reposted it the other day, said Facebook Live, and this happened six years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't see it. And she said, James, it still angers me till today mm-hmm. of what she said. Mm-hmm. I said, wow. And I looked at that statement again, and I saw it. Mm-hmm. What did it say? If you're comfortable with sharing. Yeah, what it said was, we were both seeking a position. Mm-hmm. And her statement was, well, I guess you'll be served by James Fields for the next three years. I hope you're satisfied. Mm. I'm ready to fight. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 I thought she was complimenting me. Yeah. And but my friend, my classmate, mm-hmm. picked up on that. Mm-hmm. And I didn't notice that at the time, six years ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the reason, I guess the reason why I picked up on it so quickly this time or noticed it was I serve on a board with this, this lady. Mm-hmm. And I'm watch. I've been watching her, mm-hmm. her demeanor. And she's very condescending. And I just don't say anything. I just sit there. <laughs> I'm just glad to be here. Be, be the gentleman that you are. Yeah. yeah. And and but my classmate. Yeah. Even till today, it angered her. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she and I are and and my classmate. She's, on one side of the political party, and I'm on this side, mm-hmm. and. And the thing that we argue about is, I love her husband more. I hope she hears this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but she, uh, and she's a brilliant young lady. She was a writer. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and and uh, but it's it's those things that uh, I don't understand. A lot of the phrases, the catchwords, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. to listen for. Um, I think that's like. Especially white women in general, calling out us petty ladies. Um, we just know. We just know, like, like it's like a weird, like, second hidden language, especially with women. It's a whole other ball game. Y'all have probably under, come to learn. But just hearing that, I was like, oh, no. Oh, yeah. no. Yeah, right. So I guess like for white people, because, you know, our different cultures and our different subcultures in the United States, we all know our hidden languages. We all know, Mm -hmm. like if someone says, Oh, Steve, love the purple on your shirt. Mm -hmm. Mm, Too bad. You couldn't have had a little more. Right. (laughs) Right. That I I just, as an example, Mm -hmm. so like white people, we know what our hidden words are and our hidden Mm -hmm. languages and cat and like phrases. We know like when we're locked, like, when people lock their doors when they go by the Inslee exit on 2059. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Or if they have to stop at a red line in that area. Yes, yeah. and then they lock their doors. Yeah. <laughs> That's when you just, like, call it out and go, listen, yeah. Becky. When I was in seminary in, yeah. Me- when I was in, seminary in Memphis, they were, every time we stopped in the corn at a red light, i got to lock my door. And right. I'm like, oh, come on, yeah. you guys. You know. I, there are people you know. in my community that way. Yeah. My, my, my wife, who was born and reared in Inslee, I tell her y'all didn't mean that. Um, 
she don't particularly care about going to Coleman, and I tell her, well, people in Coleman don't particularly care about coming this way. <laughs> I said, get over that. What are you talking about? Because they were told for years, 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 people who lived in especially larger black areas, when you're going through Coleman, don't stop. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If they were on their way to A&M or traveling or going to Florence, mm-hmm. they didn't stop in Coleman. You yeah. do not stop. And some of them still believe that till today. Wow. And now you have a lot of um, African-Americans who come to Cumming. I'm like, I'm walking around Cumming, and I see people, I'm like, who are you? I'm supposed to know you if you're mm-hmm. black. So, but it's, it's changed a lot. Um, uh, Cumming is one of the nicest areas you can go to, I, I think. Mm-hmm. It's, it's home for They've me. came a long way. Yeah, Cumming's yeah. yes. having a glow up. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're, we're going to have to end the podcast. I've no. got another appointment. No. But, James, you come back and continue the conversation sometime. Yes, sir, please. You have uh, to come back. Depending on the response of the audience, and, and I wish we were mm-hmm. able to answer some, uh, take phone calls and answer yeah. questions. I know. Yeah, Katie Bass is going to remind them of the email if I have a question. <laughs> yeah. Okay, you're about to hear it live, James. If you have questions, comments, concerns, episode ideas, or you just want to roast me and Steve, go for it. We'll read it out loud on an episode. I dare you. (laughs) Please, come on, bring it on. Our inbox is a little dry. Email us at grittyhope at gmail.com. That is spelled G-R-I-T-T-Y-H-O-P-E at gmail.com. And remember, Jesus loves you. And we're trying. Bye-bye. Bye. When brokenness and pain are all I know, I won't be shaken, I won't be shaken, cause my faith doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love, my faith doesn't stand a chance when